Well, well, welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler and uh, bonus pod, everybody. Welcome. Uh, Marin and Barry are here. Welcome, guys. We're always good day. here. And here we are. Yep. Good day. So good we're doing day. a little bonus pod and we, we've done this a couple other times, but there's a really special and unique opportunity. We're talking today with Tim Christensen and Tal James, uh, partner ministry of Grace Church. And uh, Barry, you have brought these folks in to uh, discuss kind of our partnership with them. And um, we're kind of previewing a little bit of Hope Month coming right. up in May. Yeah. And um, what, what, what do you want us to, what do you want us to talk about today? Yeah. So uh, Tim and Tal are in town, which is really cool because that you guys don't come around all that often. Yeah. Welcome uh, Tim they, and Tal. Yeah. Well, welcome. Do we have a cheer? Yay! There it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, when I was doing world next door, I, my ministry before I started at grace, I had traveled and spent a month uh, with you guys just kind of tagging along and following along with you guys as you were doing your ministry on the island of Penelicut, Penelicut Island, where you were doing ministry, reaching out to indigenous First Nations people or what we in America often call Native Americans, but uh, the title is more appropriately First Nations. So anyway, you guys were in town, you guys were in town and I thought this would be a great opportunity just to kind of introduce Grace Church to some of my friends. And uh also, I wanted to, at some point, mention the short-term trip that is coming up a little bit later. So we'll talk about that. But I thought, why not? Why don't you guys kind of give give the 30,000-foot view to Tyler and Marinier about what, yeah. you, what you do and why do you do it? Okay, so uh, the 30,000-foot view uh, is fairly limited, but uh, what we do is a program called Roots, Reclaiming Original Outdoor Technology and Skills. And uh, as a result of that, we get to do outdoors programming, uh, kayaking, archery, entry-level survival skills, um, some camping stuff. Um, and realistically, we're kind of a catch-all to a number of other things that the Penelica community wants us involved in. So We're, we're all about life together. That's what we do. Yeah. So, I when I when I joined uh, Grace Church staff, that's actually where I learned when I learned about what's happening in Penelicut Island or what has happened historically in Penelicut Island. Can you kind of give us a background? Like Barry said, thirty thousand foot view. Can you kind of give us a background just to set us up for the rest of the conversation about why you guys are doing what you're doing? Okay. Um, Penelicut Island is a small community of about 500 First Nations people. Um, the majority of it is uh, what you would call reservation land. Um, on that particular island, uh, back in uh, the day, 1886, no, 1881, a residential school was uh, completed in its, its construction. And what a residential school is, is uh, where the, the Canadian state and uh, the Roman Catholic Church uh, built their schools and um, apprehended children and brought them there to be uh, enculturated with European societies and teachings to Christianize. And as a result of that, um, or the way they went about doing that was they, they took these children away from their families so that they can um, kill the Indian and save the child. That was the slogan that, that they was, used. That yeah. was the slogan that was used, uh, or one of them, one of the many. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, ultimately, as a result of that, um, you have a deteriorating uh, uh, indigenous culture as a result of uh, Christian intervention. And uh, I use the term Christian very yeah. loosely because yeah. uh, what we saw and what 
really is according to scriptural teaching is was not the same. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand in the res- residential schools, kids were brought in and they had their long hair cut off. They were given quote unquote Christian names and then they were not, they were punished if they spoke their indigenous language. Is that correct? Yeah, that's very correct. And uh, uh, as, as a result of that uh, also, uh, they, they brought the kids and they separate boys from girls and our family structures as, as uh, young men, young women in training. Um, we weren't taught to uh, um, have healthy relationships with the opposite genders. And wow. uh, so your, your brothers and sisters couldn't interact with each other. Uh, you could, and when I say brothers and sisters, that would be your first, second cousins because our family structure is different from the European. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was more of a tier level. My, my brothers and sisters, uh, their kids would be like my kids. Mm-hmm. So that, uh, mm-hmm. cousins are actually brothers and sisters, uh, rather than mm-hmm. being viewed as, as cousins. So okay. there is no removed It's it's brothers and sisters mm-hmm. and then nieces and nephews and so on and so on. And uh, so you weren't learn, learning how to interact appropriately. And you can see some of the fruit of that. And if we get to that conversation mm-hmm. here, then uh, yeah, there's yeah. there's plenty more subject matter. And that went on for generation after generation. Yeah. But it it's easy to think of that as like, oh, ancient history, 1800s. But right. when, when did the school on Penelicate Island itself close down? Uh, the school on Penelicate, I think, closed in 73 or 4. Yeah. Right. And, and uh, I'm 52 years old. And a number of my peers... And, and family members were at that residential school mm-hmm. for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And because I grew up off reserve, I didn't attend. Okay. Yeah. But like the last of the residential schools in Canada closed in 96. Wow. So this is an ancient wow. history. Right. Right. And it, it was a deliberate cultural genocide. Yeah. It was destruction of language. You were punished for speaking your language, punished for practicing your beliefs, uh, punished for displaying your art, your culture, um, for identifying yourself, even by your name, your name, you were given a new name. Mm. You weren't allowed to keep your own name. Yeah. So that's the relationship that the Penelicate and First Nations people in Canada have with Christianity as they see it. Mm. Uh, And so we enter into that going, how do we change this relationship? Mm. Uh, and I remember when we first started talking about doing this outdoor education, uh, we said, we don't have all the answers, but what we do, we have a servant's heart yeah, and we have a love for this. And what if we were to give back in the name of Christ, mm. some of what was taken? Right. And so when, when you guys are teaching a middle schooler archery or kayaking or taking them on a, on a camping trip, you're doing it in a way of helping them almost rediscover the dignity of a culture that had been forcibly removed over time. You're helping to reclaim that, which is where you get the name reclaiming original outdoor technology and skills. So that's correct. Yeah. Um, So a little bit of what I found so profound about the time that I spent with you guys was how how much you were willing to just set aside your agenda to be able to lift up uh, the the Penelicate, uh people you you especially you Tim as a, as a Westerner as a as a American for you to go in and not have an agenda and not have a list of like well here's what we're going to accomplish and just come in and say how can I be present that that was pretty profound for me to witness and to see. Uh, Maybe could you guys talk a little bit about your what your whole philosophy of presence versus 
getting, you know, being versus doing. Why is that? Why is that so important to you guys? Tim could lead off on this one. Being versus mm -hmm. doing. Well, part of my cultural imperative as a Westerner is to do. Yeah. I want to. I want to use metrics. I want to know what did I accomplish. What am I setting out to do today? And relationship is the value that I need to be moving toward. And so it's me saying, I come into your culture as a guest. Mm. I come in as a learner. Mm. And in that process, I grow as a person. Um, so that's how you raise up is to say, I don't have all the answers. Mm. Um, I have a relationship with Christ and that's amazing. Uh, but I don't have all of these answers that of how to do things or and so I want to create space for us to have that relationship, to simply be together, whether that's in silence, whatever is comfortable for you. Mm. It's not about what's good for me. Mm. And that that's how we operate. How did you guys meet? Tinder? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Us too. Us yeah, yeah, that's yeah. how we found each other. <laughs> no, we, uh, we, we both work with, uh, work with North American Indigenous Ministries. And I can actually remember the day that I met Tim. We were at a staff conference and uh, uh, we were both... Uh, waiting in line for food. I love food, so that's, that's awesome. But our boys are approximately the same age. And uh, Tim was in line with uh, his son, Alex, and I was in line with my son, Corbin, but they were both kind of bouncing and we had to get out of the line. And we ended up uh, just kind of waiting until things calmed down. And we had our first conversation on the doorstep of an abandoned cabin at this camp that we were at. And uh, that's, that was where our initial meeting took place. And uh, About how far back was that? 17, 17 years yeah wow yeah. so yeah. it it seems like you this has become a calling for you guys it was life's a, life's work life's calling yeah um did you know how long did it take for you guys to know that i i think uh for myself um i started off in campus ministry and tim started elsewhere and uh the when, when I was asked to initially, if I'd be interested in taking some kayaks and running with a program, I thought, great, that'd be awesome. Um, it would integrate really well with campus stuff and that type of thing. And, mm -hmm. and you know, I'm thinking strategically and, oh, this is the plan that we can go with. And you mentioned agendas. Mm -hmm. um, I had an agenda. And then uh, when, when I started uh, working with this kayak program and the model that was given to me, I altered it a little bit, but... Uh, as soon as uh, the first year and a half was over, I was really frustrated because it wasn't working, that model mm -hmm. of ministry. And uh, I realized pretty soon that, um, so here's the story behind it. I, I, I talked to my wife about this. I was frustrated. I wanted to basically quit this whole idea of doing this kayaking stuff. And uh, my wife told me it'd probably be a good idea to go out to the canoe races, bring the canoe out, or kayaks out and, and paddle some kids around. And I was like, ah, pfft, waste of time, right? <laughs> uh, and then and then I finally gave in. I brought some kayaks out and I was paddling all day long. Kids were wanting to be there, wanting to be there. And, uh, and then uh, maybe a week after that uh, weekend of canoe races, uh, somebody from the health center called me and asked uh, if I had some kayaks. She knew exactly that I had kayaks, but the word got out and uh, 
and um, she asked if we'd be interested in doing a, a weekend wellness uh, paddling for people who aren't can't afford to get out and do some of the stuff that other people are doing. So uh, uh, we agreed and we started doing that. And then uh, shortly after that, I realized that my success in what we're doing is not dependent upon um, my strategic planning or my agenda. It's what does the community need? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when I, I, I realized and I was humbled by the fact that I didn't have all the answers. My agenda was kind of messed up. And uh, that is, is, it's really about what does the community need and how can I fulfill that? And if I can fulfill that, and if I can't, I can help find different ways to do that. But it's, it's really about partnership with the community uh, that, that uh, missions in the past and even in the present, uh, I think has it kind of mixed up in the sense that um, they have a, a four-step church plant in their minds or something sure. along that line to be able to rescue and save people. Yeah. That's not our business. Our business is to, uh, as you say, uh, stand up to the calling and say, I will go yeah. and, and uh, do what is necessary and uh, not what I want, but what does the community want and need? And uh, does it line up with what uh, uh, God wants in our lives? And uh, realistically, it means I need to be in that community and I need to be um, sharing the love of Christ through the way I live my life and uh, uh, giving back to the community that has given me life. It's reminding me of something that Dave shared in his message yesterday about the spiritual discipline of staying. And the mm. two of you have been working in Penelicate together for 17 years. Mm. Is that? Not no, it's quite. About uh, 15. It's about 15. Yeah, but to be there and to stay... One of the great stories, and I, I can only imagine how much patience it must take to not come in there with an agenda and, yeah. you know, a bullet bullet point list of we're going to do this, that, and the other. Uh, a story that Barry told Tyler and I last week was when you were uh, planning for a camping trip with some children. Do you want to tell that story, Barry? I yeah, love yeah, that why not? story. I actually, I think I might even use it in my sermon in May. So mm. I was talking to Tim about this earlier today. Uh, just briefly, Tim was working with some middle school students on... I believe they were middle school students yeah. about, yeah, on planning a camping trip that they were going to take together. And the whole time he was so committed to, uh, so committed to them having dignity and, and the dignity of kind of planning something for themselves that, that you would not do it for them. You just wouldn't, even though it would have been way faster. And I remember, I remember sitting there, you, you sat down in front of a whiteboard and you asked the kids, you said, okay, uh, we're going to do this camping trip. So what do we need? And, got quiet. And then one of them said, a tent. And he said, yeah, we're going to need a tent. You wrote that on the board. He said, what else? And I'm like, oh my word, we're going to be here all day. Yeah. I know what we need. Let's just get this. this, this. But you, it wasn't about getting the, no. the list together. It was about giving them the opportunity to say, oh, I have the ability to plan a trip. I can actually, it was, it was brilliant. And so, yeah, that's yeah. what I remember. And I think that for us, like at the same time that Tal was coming out of campus ministry, for me, I had seen and been participating in a more traditional approach to missions uh, and recognizing that the history that was connected to that was quite unproductive. Where Westerners come in, we have a plan, we have the bullet points, mm -hmm. we become the experts, we start something, and then we leave, and it collapses because it's from the ground up, the DNA is wrong. Mm -hmm. And so... For that DNA to be indigenous, I need to be willing to step back and say, how may I serve you mm 
yeah. and have the patience to say that the same Holy Spirit that leads you leads me mm-hmm. and how you design it, how Tal designs it is going to be different than what I might see. Mm. And I need to appreciate that and learn from that. Uh, yes, it would be fast. We could get a big apparatus going quickly, but the long run, sometimes the fast is the slow. Mm-hmm. So staying mm-hmm. is actually the faster way to get to where we want to go. Mm. Stephen J. Covey would have a bird. The seven highly effective methods of oh oh yeah oh yeah yeah they wouldn't be they wouldn't love that yeah, yeah. It, it takes patience and uh, I, I think um, one of the greatest things about what we're doing is we can have patience together mm. and, and uh, there's no sense in throwing something up quick that's going to fall quick mm-hmm. let's build something that's going to last for the long term and uh, it's it's community driven therefore it's going to be community surviving and if if something should happen and Tim and I end up in uh, Mars or something like that and it's going to keep going people yeah. will have the the learning and the teaching and and the um the the ability to sustain something that um is part of them anyways yeah, not, yeah. it's not about us mm-hmm. and and those are things Roots is a tool for doing kingdom work and uh, for for uh, um, reestablishing uh, a healthy relationship between. Um, I don't want to say church, in the sense that it's it's an organization. It's not about grace. It's not about the Baptist or or, or the Reformed Church. It's about the the five of us sitting here talking about how we can make a better place for Penelican. We're all part of that in one form or another. Grace supporting Tim and groups coming out from grace and being a part of that. Uh, realistically, um, because of the the relationship with uh, the groups that came out to us in the past, that opened doors for us in different relationships and it has helped grow what uh, we're involved in. And mm-hmm. it's, it's not just about Tim, Tell, Roots team, this or that. It's about all of us mm-hmm. and, and we're all intertwined and we're all united. And as Tim said about uh, First Nations believers and non-First Nations believers, we're all led by the same yes. Holy Spirit. So uh, that's that's where it's really at. Yeah. So you mentioned the the trips. Let's talk about that because we have a trip coming up this year. Grace is sending a trip out there. And this, it's an interesting trip because it does require a little bit of learning how to be and not do. Mm-hmm. So what mm-hmm. what what's the trip going to be like? Let's just put it that way. Not what are you going to do, but <laughs> what, what will the short-term trip be like? The it, it's We ask people to come with open hands. We ask people to come as cultural learners. Mm -hmm. We ask people to not be experts. Mm. Uh, If you have a skill, we're into transfer of knowledge, not doing for someone else. Mm. Uh, Lots of people are capable of learning skills quickly and doing it themselves and putting their own twist on it. Um, So we want people who are willing to literally take instruction from a 10-year-old mm. because that 10-year-old knows intrinsically what is the right thing to do on Penelicate, even though you might be a CEO of a company mm. here in here in Indiana, Indi- <laughs> Indianapolis. Yeah. Uh, so when you, when you come with those kind of attitudes, we had a, a young woman who joined us two years ago and she told a really brief story last night. She said, you know, I'm a talker. I love to talk. And I came out and I had to slow down and I had to become a listener. And when I came back here, 
I discovered that I had gone to do, but I came back having learned Hmm. to be a listener. And my friends and my teachers realized I had, uh, I had learned a new skill. Yeah. You know, and it, it's become part of her character. Mm. So when we yeah. come with those open hands. So go on the trip to be transformed. Yes. And maybe you'll get something accomplished, but mainly it's about coming face to face with the community and being, being transformed by that. Yeah. And what a privilege. I mean, when you look at the long history of how Christians have interacted with First Nations people to be welcomed into a community. Yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah. I was going to ask what, what are some of the signs that things either have shifted or are shifting with how that part of the world perceives Christians? I think the biggest thing is, is they haven't kicked us off mm-hmm. um, because of that, that horrendous history of, of mm-hmm. church and first nations, um, all the atrocities for uh, 160 years and more, those things are still going on. Mm-hmm. But um, the negative association of, of Christianity or, or Christians, it's, it's not there when we're concerned, mm-hmm. as, as far as we know anyways. Yeah. But uh, um, uh, the fabric of the society, of Penelicate society, has requested that we participate in the community. Yeah. And, and that's the biggest, yeah, the it's biggest a big deal. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a big huge deal. Because, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's like, yeah, I, I won't go into any more. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's yeah. just huge. Yeah. <laughs> All I can say is if you come on one of the short term trips out to us, mm-hmm. it's going to be amazing. I agree. Transformative. What a privilege. What a privilege to participate in something like that, to be immersed in a First Nations culture. Yeah, I will break you. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. And it's one of the most beautiful places on earth. So in the summer, I can't even imagine. I went in the spring and it was jaw dropping. I, we saw a video of a very young, super curly haired Barry Rodriguez eating the biggest mussel. Was it a mussel? It was a uh, oyster. Oyster. Oyster? Yeah. 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 With your dad. With Tal's dad. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was, uh, it was very large. It's on YouTube. I can, I can show you anyway. How long are you guys in town? Um, a little longer than I planned. My my flight got canceled because all the snow in Seattle. Oh, yeah. So I'm yeah. I'm kind of stuck, and I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm waiting for a phone call from Alaska Airlines. All right. Well, so, and I'm I'm in town through the 25th. Okay. So I'll be at the Fisher's campus next week. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Man, I, the, you're when you were talking about the skill of listening. Even sitting here in this room right now, I'm like. Typically, when we do a show like this, I'm trying to think of the next thing I'm going to say. I'm not. I'm not really. I mean, I'm listening to you guys. Sure, you are. But, yeah. <laughs> we, we know. We know what's you know, going you know, on. You got to keep it going. But when you when you guys are speaking, I'm like, man, that is such a. a you're right. A learned skill that, especially in today's day and age, I feel like where I, you know, my my systems and uh, support groups and friends, like we don't listen to each other. It it takes a lot of work to listen to each other. And so going somewhere where that is the primary skill that we have to learn is really intriguing. Mm-hmm. Well, come on out. All right, I'll do yeah, it. Let's there do we it. Go. Well, Tyler just said he's going to break me. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> but we'll rebuild you. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha guys. Thanks so much for coming in. Um, again, friends of the pod, 
tell your friends uh, this is a this is one of many trips that Grace Church offers, but it sounds like it's going to be a, f- a fascinating and transformative opportunity. And uh, Tim and Tal, thanks for, thanks so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having us. Thank you for having us, Marin. Oh, we're doing that. We're doing that. Hey, y'all. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Iron Marin. And that, (laughs) every time I look over at my...